Well, hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and it's another uh, riding carpool edition of the podcast. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the Fathom event screening for the 35th anniversary of G.I. Joe the movie. I literally just got out of the theater. I am heading home, and I thought since I, I was here and um, uh, just had a, a couple minutes with my thoughts, I thought I would uh, talk to you for a couple minutes about my experience and and what I thought, and um, and and yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of chat about it from there. So first of all, so I... Um, The Fathom event screening was uh, two nights, the uh, 23rd of June here, and they're having another showing on Saturday the 25th, so I will have this out in time before that Saturday showing, so um, uh, there'll be some minor spoilers here, but also I want to share some information that might influence your decision whether you want to go or what what you might take away from uh, the experience. Uh, first of all, so obviously my my affection for Transformers the movie is well documented. I don't need to bother to mention it here, uh, but it's fascinating how intrinsically linked G.I. Joe the movie and Transformers the movie will always be. Like, it, it's it's my understanding, and I, I may have to do some uh, research to, to double verify, but it's my understanding that G.I. Joe the movie actually went into production first before Transformers the movie, but then ran into either some kind of production delays or it was just straight up taking longer. Uh, but somewhere along the way, the production of Transformers the movie outpaced G.I. Joe the movie and ended up being completed first. Uh, there is uh, obviously a, a notorious and famous scene. I mean, obviously the thing that, that's most famous about Transformers the movie is how it it mercilessly killed off uh, beloved characters, old product, to get you to buy new toys. It is a movie designed to get you to buy toys. And uh, most famously and notoriously of all, they made the decision to kill off Optimus Prime. And that ended up being a disastrous uh, decision in the short run, but obviously that, that's one of those things that I think the, the greater stakes and more uh, mature, risky storytelling, I think, is what makes... One, one of several factors that makes Transformers the movie have more longevity than G.I. Joe the movie. I think G.I. Joe the movie is kind of like a... I don't know, um, seldom remembered distant cousin or some kind of like black sheep of the family. It's like, or, or like the, uh, youngest of a large family or something like that. You know, it's like you got like the, um, uh, super famous older brother and you're like the younger brother that's like three children later or something like that. I don't have siblings, so I, I don't I don't know if any of that analogy is even appropriate or not. But um, G.I. Joe the movie included a scene where the uh, main protagonist of the, the good guys, Duke, was uh, to be killed off. And pretty graphically, in a, in a way that rivals... 
uh, the the more upsetting graphic deaths in Transformers the movie. But as I understand it, Hasbro got cold feet and said, "Well, hey, wait a minute. We're we're not so sure about killing off uh, this Duke character." Let's put out Transformers the movie first and see how the audiences responds to the death of Optimus Prime. And um, because I, I think both of those concepts came about around the same time. So what I don't know, and Ron Friedman, the writer of both movies, Transformers the movie and G.I. Joe the movie, I don't know if the mandate to kill Optimus Prime came after the writing of G.I. Joe the movie where they had already written in the death scene for Duke. Um, I don't know the sequence of events on there, but basically they put out Transformers the movie first and it went the the way that we all know. It was a, it was a box office disappointment and uh, did some short-term damage to the brand and it sent Hasbro kind of panicking. Um, they they had already kind of lost their their shirts on the My Little Pony movie, um, and in the wake of the box office failure of Transformers the movie, uh, the Gem movie gets canceled, so no Gem, and then GI Joe the movie, which again went into production first, as I understand it, was regulated to a home video release. It went straight to video, not released in theaters. Um, I, I saw on Twitter there was some confusion about that. So, um, fast forward, you know, 20, 30 years, and Transformers the movie has, has gained a cult following, a reverence, and has had been largely reclaimed as not just a cult classic, but as a nostalgia classic. You know, with multiple home video releases and uh, expensive restorations, multiple uh, uh, anniversary editions, and uh, and at this point, a couple different Fathom Events screenings. All the while, G.I. Joe the movie is just kind of basically neglected. I don't know if there's ever been like a high definition uh, restoration or home video release. I mean, I think it's on Blu-ray. Um, I'm sure it was on DVD, but it was definitely on VHS, and that was that was where I experienced it most. Like I, I. I don't remember if I owned a copy on video, but I do know that I rented it quite a lot, and I saw that movie quite a bit. And for me, as, a, as you've been following my Twitter feed, you've probably discovered that I'm secretly almost as much of a G.I. Joe fan as I am a Transformers fan. It's, I'm, I, I'm, in fact, it's interesting, like, with the more recent uh, announcements of Transformers toys and uh, the things that, that Hasbro is doing with Yojo June, I keep finding myself being pulled further and further and further towards Joe. Um, I think now that the uh, 35th anniversary celebration of Transformers the movie has kind of ended um, and, you know, like the Studio Series 86 figures and all that, I think now that the mainline, the uh, 
legacy Transformers Generations toy line is kind of moving towards other aspects of the franchise, I think my interest is kind of starting to cool a little bit. It's like, well, hey, man, I I still uh, um, I, I I still need some new versions of my movie characters. So um, I've been very well served over the last couple of years, um, and it, and it's just. Um, it's interesting to see where the toy line is going and if I continue to be well-served as a fan of Transformers the movie. But, as I said, I'm not talking about Transformers the movie. I'm talking about G.I. Joe the movie. Um, it's, it's a movie that I always liked okay. It was a movie that I watched a lot, but it didn't necessarily stick with me the way the Transformers the movie did. In fact, this might be the first time that I've talked about G.I. Joe the movie uh, relatively extensively. Actually, no, that's not true. I uh, talked about that when I had uh, Word Burglar on my show. Incidentally, um, I'm hoping to connect with Word Burglar again. He's got a new album coming out at the end of June and uh, looking to do an uh, interview with him. And we're definitely going to talk uh, G.I. Joe the movie because he and I kind of went back and forth about Transformers the movie versus G.I. Joe the movie. There are people walking this earth that will try to say that G.I. Joe the movie is a better movie than Transformers the movie. And I think those people are nuts. I think G.I. Joe the movie actually just freshly watching it in the theater for the first time, um, it's better than I remember it, but it's still not super great. So, um, I, I guess, so let me talk about that. So, you know, there, there's been no high-definition transfer, um, and suddenly, out of nowhere, and with almost little to no fanfare, um, there's a Fathom Events event uh, announced for a 35th anniversary screening of G.I. Joe the movie. And... I didn't know what to expect going in. Like, I mean, again, like, the, the news was really quiet about it, but I knew it was something I wanted to see because the novelty, for me at least, is that finally the movie that was meant to be released theatrically but was relegated to home video because of the financial disaster that was Transformers the movie finally got to be presented as it was originally meant to be seen as a movie in a movie theater. So for me, that was enough to get excited about. Um, so leading up to the release, uh, Fathom uh, made a trailer, which is probably like the greatest fan-made trailer for a movie you've ever seen. It, it feels like a fan-made trailer, but it feels like one of the good ones. It is a really terrific, um, high-quality trailer. In fact, actually, you know what? I'll just drop it in right here for you. General Hawk, we can't wait any longer. We've got new recruits. They still lack experience. The sooner they graduate, the sooner they can fight. All I want is one clear shot. You heard the man. Let's wreck us some reptile. I have seen a vision. We will soon possess power. 
greater than any on Earth! A weapon to destroy human civilization. Beautiful. The beginning of the end of G.I. Joe. That's not gonna happen. We've got to infiltrate Cobra. That's suicide. Forward! Show no mercy! We've got it! Warn the others! And let's do it, soldier! So, you know, it's, it's got a very epic feeling. And one of the things that it says within the text of that trailer is like, you know, coming to, coming to theaters for the first time. And I think that's important. Um, and I think that that's kind of cool. But um, there was speculation about, well, if Fathom Events is putting this exhibition of G.I. Joe the movie out in theaters, does that mean that there's going to be a new high-definition transfer? Are they going to do a 35th anniversary uh, uh, Blu-ray or, uh, you know, really reaching for the stars like a 4K or something like that? Because if you watch that trailer, and I've shared it multiple times on my socials, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's worth checking out because um, the audio here doesn't doesn't necessarily do all the justice, but that trailer looks really cleaned up. It's very crisp, it's very clean, and it gave me a sense of hope that perhaps it was a high-definition transfer that was going to be shown during the movie. And um, I, I am uh, sad and reluctant to report that it is not. The print, I want to be charitable, I want to be generous, but it's rough. I, I'm, I'm trying to pull my punches and prevent myself from saying it looks like garbage, but it looks like garbage. Like the text during the title sequence is blurry. Now, if, um, if you've seen any uh, social media chatter regarding Fathom Events, they recently did a exhibition screening for the 40th anniversary of The Thing that is, as social media describes it, a disaster. Uh, basically, like, they, they showed the film in the wrong aspect ratio, and there were some other problems with the, with the exhibition. I think, like, there were, there were some screenings that stopped halfway through, um, and just a, just a really problematic thing. So now with that stink of death and the chink of, in the armor, was this a bad exhibition that I saw or is it a bad print? I'm inclined to believe that it's a bad print because from what I understand from all of the home video releases, there's never been a cleaned up transfer. So like the Blu-ray 
is just a scan from the original VHS release that looked like garbage. I haven't watched it myself, so I can't judge that and I can't say for certain. Uh, but what I can say for certain with regards to the exhibition, though, I was pleasantly surprised, and uh, the guy, I, uh, the I went on a bad movie mandate with uh, with a friend of mine from work, and one of the things he had said, because he and I had talked a lot about the theatrical exhibition of Transformers the movie, how like it had been cropped from a four by three aspect ratio, basically square. TV animation, how it was produced, and it was cropped to fit 16 by 9 traditional rectangular theatrical exhibition by cropping the film and chopping off the tops and bottoms. Um, we speculated that they were going to do the same thing here, chop the tops and bottoms of it off um, and, you know, for it to fit a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. He had speculated, my friend, saying like, well, but what if they show it in 4.3? What if they show it square as it was originally produced? And sure enough, it is exhibited for these Fathom Event screening in 4x3. Uh, the 4.3 the aspect ratio, which is square. So instead of the image being cropped, you get the full animation. The trade-off, though, is that the sides of the screen are chopped off, which... You know, again, those of us that were kind of uh, letterbox nerds, widescreen format nerds back in the day that paid an extra couple bucks for that for that VHS tape or, or Laserdisc or DVD that was specifically widescreen, um, I'll, I'll take the not full screen being filled uh, just to have the most accurate and complete exhibition of the animation. And um, I guess that's what I want to talk about next. Uh, I, I have not watched G.I. Joe the movie. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, like, like I said, I, I haven't owned a DVD or a Blu-ray. I, I could not tell you the last time I've watched this movie. I, I will have... Um, this October, I'm coming up on my... Uh, 20th wedding anniversary with uh, with my wife and I have never watched G.I. Joe the movie during the span of our relationship. So it's been at least 20 years possibly a couple more. Like I said, I, I cannot tell you the last time I watched G.I. Joe the movie despite me watching it quite extensively uh, when I was a kid. So th this was this was kind of neat, and there 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 were a lot of moments that I remembered that had imprinted on me certain lines of dialogue, but then there was also stuff that I had completely forgotten about. Um, it, it also doesn't hurt that my friends from the Autopod Decepticast, uh, shortly after they did their minute by minute breakdown recap of Transformers the movie. The next project they tackled was G.I. Joe the movie. They did it in four or five episodes. And so listening to their coverage, even then I didn't go back and rewatch the movie. I just listened to it. So I think listening to their podcast kind of rekindled some of my memories of the movie, if uh, it, even if they um, you know weren't complete. Uh, but there, there was still stuff that I remembered and still stuff that I forgot about. Um, the movie's solid. Uh, the movie holds up 
for the most part. As I said, I, I really would have liked a high definition transfer or at, or at the very least have it cleaned up a little bit. Like seeing the the blurry text was was a real bummer and you notice it when you get to the end credits. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it was um, a, a disappointing. But the animation is surprisingly good and I think folks that, that choose G.I. Joe the movie over Transformers the movie, that's what they point to, that the consistency of the animation is uh, is good and it's good throughout. It is more consistent in animation quality than Transformers the movie. Transformers the movie has peaks and valleys. The, the stuff that is good and they spent all the money on is spectacular and breathtaking. But then there are also just as many sequences that are lazy and are not animated uh, very well. There are tons of animation errors, noticeable animation errors, aside from uh, obvious coloring mistakes. There's also like weird cell overlays and things like that. Whereas G.I. Joe the movie is very light on that. Um, and yeah, just watching it, it I, was, I was impressed by how consistent the animation is and how consistently good it is. And the... What am I trying to say? So, the animation is consistently good. I mean, to, to repeat myself just to get my feet back under me. Um, but when it's very dynamic, it's very dynamic and very fun and very fluid. Um, especially, like, in certain action scenes. Like, there there's a sequence towards the end of the movie where... Um, everybody is beating up on somebody in like a, a panning shot and the choreography is just really, really cool. There's, uh, there, there's a couple instances of rack focus where it's like animated rack focus and rack focus is where like, um, you are focused on one aspect of the character. Um, well, the scene is where, uh, Galobulus, Burgess Meredith is holding up like the worm of time stick thing he's holding it up, the worm on the stick is blurry, but he's in focus, and then it rack focuses to where the focus shifts to the worm on the stick, and then he's blurry in the background. And we couldn't tell if that's like, they actually did like a, a actual in-camera rack focus, or if it was animated to look like that. Either way, really, really cool. That, that was a very surprising um, uh, sequence there. But, um, so yeah, so the animation is good. The uh, voice performances are mostly pretty good. Uh, obviously, the, the celebrity voice cast isn't as deep or as robust as Transformers the movie, but Burgess Meredith is, is really good as the villain Globulus. Don Johnson is okay as uh, as the new protagonist, um, uh, Lieutenant Falcon, basically the hot rod of G.I. Joe the movie. And, and I would say that Don Johnson's performance as Falcon is not all that dissimilar to Hot Rod's performance, I'm sorry, as Judd Nelson's performance as Hot Rod. There's a lot of similarities where, I mean, you know, I, if I had to, I would still give the edge to Judd Nelson, but there isn't, I don't know, I, 
I, I can't go down this this rabbit hole where I, I'm trying to say that Judd Nelson isn't good as Hot Rod because that that's not accurate. But Don Johnson as Lieutenant Falcon is not the the role is very generic, and his performance is very generic. But the uh, the breakout and this is one of the things that I had kind of let myself forget over the years. I forgot how fun Sergeant Slaughter is as Sergeant Slaughter. Um, when he's over the top, it's funny and engaging and exciting. But when he's trying to do, like, standard dialogue, like, there's a scene where he's talking to General Hawk about, like, you know, what, what's going on with the, with the BET and, 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 and the movie while, while he's off on a side quest or whatever. Um, but he's really good. And it, and it is a really fun performance that I had kind of largely forgotten about and kind of, um, um, kind of taken for granted. Um, so yeah, so so those were kind of the standouts, and and again, the the rest of the voice cast is, is really good. Um, not as much of much like in Transformers the movie, not as much of the legacy characters. Like anytime Arthur Burkhart uh, shows up as Destro, it's great. Morgan Lofting as the Baroness is obviously iconic, and and of course the late great Chris Lada as as uh, Cobra Commander. Um, all of the dialogue is terrific and I forgot how fun it is and I think there were a lot of things where you know you get you get some of that Ron Friedman sensibility some of that Buzz Dixon sensibility which is very similar to a Flint Dilly sensibility there's a lot of like innuendo and double entendre and really the thing that that attracted me to Transformers the movie is the dialogue and the use of vocabulary. I love how verbose these characters are, especially the villains. The way Galobulus speaks, voiced by Burgess Meredith, is not all that different than what Orson Welles is doing with uh, Unicron. Um, and I just, I, I love that the, the extra mustard that, that goes in the verbose dialogue and the and the upper level vocabulary. Um, it's 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 really fun. It's a uh, it's really good stuff. Um, so yeah, so those are kind of standouts. But the the story is is still not my favorite. It still doesn't resonate with me, and it doesn't it doesn't feel big. And I've said this in so many other places. Anytime my my metric for a good adaptation or continuation of a TV show into a movie will always be Transformers the movie because that's the one between like the time jump and the shift in tone and the just just the the different sensibilities um, you know really steering into hard sci-fi and taking like such uh, deadly risks and being so ambitious Anything that's called colon the movie, I will always measure against Transformers the movie and I'll always find it lacking, always find it wanting. And G.I. Joe the movie, it's, you know, I, I used to say 
when I would do those comparisons, I would say that the problem with G.I. Joe the movie is it is not as ambitious as Transformers the movie. And if you were a fan of G.I. Joe the movie, you probably just cocked an eyebrow and said, wait, what are you talking about? Because, like, you know, we're talking about, like, you know, secret societies and, and spore people. And it's, I don't know, maybe it, 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 it certainly is ambitious but it's, I don't know, it's, it's a weird ambitious, and maybe it's just because I don't like it. This, um, this movie, G.I. Joe the movie, is, um, it's a very wet movie. It's, um, it's, it's, it's juicy. It's, um, I'm trying to think of a, a third word to describe something that is liquid. Um, I, I don't like the Lovecraftian uh, uh, Cthulhu uh, bio-organic, techno-organic sensibilities of Cobra Law. I don't like anything about Cobra Law, and it's gross. And, you know, being like, you know, like like an eight, nine-year-old boy, you would think I would be into stuff that was gross, but like the, the slippery sliminess of it was always off-putting to me. Now, keeping in mind, if, if you know me and know my show, you know that my sensibilities have always skewed towards technology. You know, robots, uh, ray guns, jetpacks, technology. Um, that, that's always been my jam. So, like, you know, anytime the, the story shifts to, like, this more organic type of thing, it, it's icky. And, and there's some imagery in there that is just straight-up upsetting. There's, um, too many things that look like anatomy that, that's, um, uncomfortable. And there's, there's several instances of spurting and squirting. And to the point where I leaned over uh, to my buddy as we were watching the movie. And I told him, I was like, adults made this movie. Grown men wrote this movie. Surely they knew what they were, they were on about. And th those aspects don't hold up for me. I, I was... I was I was squirming. I was skittish. It was. Uh, I, I was. I was visually, uh, visibly uncomfortable um, a, a number of times during like the Cobra Law stuff. I just. I. I just don't like it, and I don't like Serpentor as a character. Um, so when you're kind of hanging that as on one of your main villains, it's it's lacking. Um, Galobulus is great as a as a megalomaniacal big bad, but. Once you lose Cobra Commander, it's, um, you just lose a lot of the fun. And the fun of G.I. Joe is the cartoonishness of the villains. So, like Transformers, you kind of get, you kind of get, like, the last stand of the classic characters. And incidentally, how is it that in 35 years, we haven't gotten any of the Polar Missions versions of any of the characters? Every character that's in this movie has a alternate costume where they're in snow gear. I, you know, for all of the Snake Eyes figures I have, I would love to have a G.I. Joe the movie Polar Jacket Snake Eyes. I, I, I think that would be 
Um, I, I, I think that would be um, tons of fun, as, as well as all of the other ones, you know, the Dreadnoughts and and uh, uh, especially Destro. That uh, that uh, uh, the imagery is a little uncomfortable, but but the uh, um, the flair and design is is just super rad. The character designs are 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 so cool. Um, but yeah, so you kind of get like the last stand of the of the original characters, not quite as much as in Transformers the movie, but kind of, kind of, sort of. Um, the sequence with Cobra Commander and Roadblock is still uh, the highlight of the movie. You know, the whole was a man, was a man, useless, all useless, that, that nihilism there. It's, you feel bad for Cobra Commander, which is such a weird thing to kind of mess with kids. You know, it's like you, you put sympathy on your main villain, and it's just, it, it's, it's a very odd, uncomfortable, um, uh, sensation, uh, for, for a little bit of a, a character there. Um, so, so, I mean, I mean, the movie is the movie. Um, I, again, I had a blast with it. Me and my friends were, were, were kind of like cracking wise with each other. We were trying to be respectful. There, there were about a dozen people in my screening, um, mostly adults, but, um, there was at least one family with, uh, uh, with, a couple little kids. Um, the kids seem to be anxious. Like, I, I, I don't know if the, the kid just drank too much soda, but there was a, there was a young boy that, that went out of the theater at least three times in a, in a 90 minute movie. Um, so I don't know if he was bored or if he just had to pee that bad. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I had fun with it. I was glad I went, but, um, I, I guess before before I guess I, I I'm home I'm in my driveway I should uh, uh, probably wrap this up, but what I should have mentioned earlier is what this exhibition from Fathom Events is. It uh, so in the trailer it says that there is a exclusive GI Joe content, and I had no idea going in if it was going to be before the movie or after the movie. Um, I've had some Fathom Events conditioning in that the first time I saw Transformers the movie, it was uh, in conjunction with the release of the Bumblebee movie, and there was stuff at the end. There was like a... No, I'm sorry, there was stuff at the beginning and the end. At the end, after the credits, was the Stan Bush acoustic performance of Dare and the Touch in the the uh, Shout Factory parking lot. Uh, but before the movie, there was like a little making of documentary uh, for the Bumblebee movie. With this screening, unfortunately, I didn't... Oh, I'm sorry. Let, let, me, let me finish that. So going into the uh, uh, latest Fathom event screening of Transformers the movie for that 35th anniversary last year, there was... Um, there were a variety of commercials. There was like a, um, an ad for uh, PulseCon, PulseFest, or some such like that. Um, the the uh, video game where Soundwave is driving a boat. Um, and I think some toys. And obviously the stop motion stuff. Uh, but there was also like trivia um, that, uh, that ran before. And I'm trying to remember if those early special features aired before the quote unquote showtime. I really don't remember. Um, but with this screening of GI Joe, the movie, there was supplemental material, but I can't tell you how much of it because I missed almost all of it. Unfortunately, due to the time, I 
had to basically run to the movie theater that's right by my work after I got off work. It was a seven o'clock showing. Uh, we, I, I sign off my radio show at six. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a scramble, uh, to get over there by seven and just barely made it. And I caught the tail end of some kind of presentation by, um, uh, Lenny and Emily from the Hasbro, uh, GI Joe team who you're, you've got to be familiar with, uh, from the live streams that they've been doing, especially doing more stuff now that it's Yojo June. Uh, they've been doing more reveals like on Instagram and things like that, as well as the, the YouTube live streams. But they did a thing where it looked like it was just kind of like an advertisement for classified series where it's like, hey, man, this is what we're doing. You know, uh, um, you know, the, these are the classic characters reimagined in this new scale. Um, hey, check it out. Um, and they showed off like some of the. Uh, cool dioramas and photographs that that uh, that they do at Hasbro to show off the classified series. I've got a couple pictures that I've posted on my socials uh, that that uh, that you can check out that I snapped. Um, it was before the movie started, so I thought I was okay in doing that. Um, but I don't know how long that was or when it begins. I just caught the last couple bits of it and was able to snap a couple quick pictures. It's something I really would have liked to have watched in its entirety. Hopefully they release that in some way. You know, maybe, maybe it's, it, for all I know, maybe this is just a replay of, of something they've already done. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, I, I might have to tune in uh, to the full force to, to get that, get that sorted out or go to histank.com or, or some other Joe site to get that sorted out for me. But then what they did show, and this was shortly before showtime at seven, seven o'clock, is it, it was really odd. It was a animated introduction, basically like where they had taken old footage of both the movie and the show, and it's Duke giving a briefing about kind of the plot of the movie. And it's voiced by Michael Bell. Uh, the original voice of Duke, who is still with us, and unfortunately, he um, he's starting to sound his age. He he's he's a sweet guy. I've I've met him a couple times at TF Cons, um, so I, I'm not going to say anything bad about the aging of his voice. But you can hear it. it. It's a it's a real James Earl Jones in Rogue One as a as Darth Vader situation where it's like the voice is there, but it's also older and 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 tireder. So it was odd. Um, they he talks to other GI Joe characters, including Roadblock and Scarlet, and I'm not familiar enough with those vocal performances to know if they were the original voice actors or if they got somebody else. And then um, there's a there's a spot where Cobra Commander is speaking, and I can't tell if it's Frank Dodaro or not. Uh, Frank Dodaro, who has voiced Starscream. Uh, in a number of projects, including the Netflix War for Cybertron series and some other stuff. He's also done some Cobra Commander. Um, basically, it's... The Cobra Commander and Starscream are different. There, There is nuance. You can tell the difference if you listen close enough. But but it's it's still the Chris Lotta voice. So I couldn't tell from my ear if it's Frank Dodaro or if it's somebody 
doing a impression of Frank Dodaro doing a impression of Chris Lotta. I couldn't really tell, but I guess again, trying to be polite, the, the performance isn't great. Um, and like I said, it, it sounded like it could actually be somebody else, but it's very odd. And my friend asked me, he's like, who is this for? Is this, is this for little kids? Is this screening? Is this 35th anniversary screening at seven o'clock at night? Is this for kids? Who is this screening for? And I told him, I go, well, I think it's to sell toys because they're, oh, we were talking after we, we grabbed a, we grabbed a, a, a adult beverage after and talked for a couple. But, um, I think this was to sell GI Joe action figures. I don't think it's trying to sell Blu-rays because there, there's no high def transfer. So, um, and you can tell by the social media post, I mean, social media push from Hasbro Pulse, not necessarily whoever has the, the film rights now. Maybe that's why there's no home video release. I, I don't know who owns the, the home video rights to G.I. Joe, or G.I. Joe the movie, uh, more accurately. It still carries the Sumbo Marvel Productions uh, logos at the beginning, um, you know, just like Transformers the movie, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was it, it was very odd. It was a very odd uh, sequence, and it it wasn't long, but it, it just basically it's kind of like kind of sort of previously on GI Joe, and like this is who you're going to run into. This is Pythona. This is Nemesis Enforcer. This is Galobulus. These are the the Cobra Law Troopers, um, and then of course we have to deal with regular regular Cobra as well, and then that's where you get the Cobra Commander part, and then the movie starts. And I will tell you that the thing that I was most excited about, the thing I wanted to see more than anything, was that introduction cold open, which, as I understand, was completely tacked on after the movie was already done, um, and they just added it on. It has nothing to do with the movie. Very similar to how, like, the aircraft carrier sequence in uh, the beginning of Top Gun Maverick has nothing to do with the plot of Top Gun Maverick, but you don't care because it rules and it sets the tone. That's exactly what this opening sequence does for G.I. Joe, the movie. Um... For me, that, between, like, the music, the new version of the song, the the entire story it tells with the, the Statue of Liberty and the invasion of Cobra and the, the rescue by the, the G.I. Joe team, it is probably my very favorite representation of G.I. Joe put on the screen. And I've seen three different live-action movies. I've watched a lot of cartoons. Um, that opening sequence, not the movie yet, on the whole, but specifically that opening sequence is probably my very favorite G.I. Joe, doing air quotes here, thing. Um, to me, it's, it's a, it is an absolute pure distillation of what makes G.I. Joe so fun, 
so iconic and just so cool. Um, again, the dynamic animation and just how, like, one thing leads into another. Um, like, you know, the, the thing that always makes me smile is, like, uh, Bazooka trips over and shoots his rocket launcher, which, which skims over Shipwreck's head and knocks over his hat and then hits a, um, uh, the, the Cobra Moray boat, causes it to sink. You pan up to, like, the, the uh, X-22 Conquest jets coming in and just raining down the missiles on the remaining boats. It's just, just that, that whole thing, or even, like, the reflections in Cobra Commander's face. I could do an entire podcast just about that opening sequence. I love it so much. So I made a joke. Once it ended, I told my friend, I'm like, cool, I got what I need. I can leave now because now G.I. Joe the movie is going to start. Thumbs down. But again, it kind of won me over and I liked it more than I thought I remembered I liked it. So, um, so, but yeah, so there's, if you've made it to the end of the episode and you're still wondering what you're in for on Saturday, I would recommend you get there early. I don't know how early, but early enough to enjoy that G.I. Joe classified um, uh, toy, toy exhibition thing with Lenny and Emily. They're they're terrific. I love what they're doing with uh, the live streams, so I'm sure that's going to be cool. And don't stick around um, after the credits, there is nothing there. The movie just ends. Um, but I guess the last thing I, I will say is one, th we, we sat through the credits just to be sure, cause we didn't know. Um, they make the wise decision of playing the instrumental version of the new version of the GI Joe song. And I'm glad they did that because the la last comparison with Transformers the movie I'll make is uh, remember when I told you when I saw that 35th anniversary Fathom event screening, I went to both screenings. There was a Saturday and a Tuesday. I saw Transformers the movie in theaters twice in four days and it, uh, it made me real real tired of the lion version of the theme song because it plays over the credits and those credits are several minutes long long enough to get like at least i don't know a half a dozen autopod decepticast episodes where they were still doing the minute by minute breakdown and like going over the credits and things like that but um but it was a fun listen and oh actually yeah so one 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 last last thing i guess uh the music is all over the road in G.I. Joe the movie. It's stuff from the cartoons, but it's also some new stuff, and there is some stuff cribbed from Transformers the movie. But what I can't tell is if it's alternate takes, because like there's several instances of the Autobot Decepticon battle, the the you know dun 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 dun. dun. There, there's a there's a lot of that in the early battle in the in the Himalayas with uh, like Nemesis Enforcer uh, uh, tearing apart the the Havoc tanks and um, I, I thought it kind of threw me out of the movie and I kind of found myself listening to the score and it was so weird and uneven it wasn't bad but it's like really a mishmash of several different musical score uh, sources that makes it not memorable and unlike Transformers the movie. And again, so I guess that wasn't my last comparison. But yeah, I mean, so so G.I. Joe the movie will always, for me, be the, um, the okay movie that 
got lost in the shuffle because of the juggernaut of Transformers the movie, both in the ambition of its inception, but then also in the disaster of its failure. And then somewhere along the way, when Transformers the movie got reclaimed and recanonized, um, that level of nostalgia and affection did not translate over to G.I. Joe the movie. And I can understand why, because, I mean, nobody's clamoring for My Little Pony the movie, you know, like a restoration or anything like that. I don't know if it deserves it. I, I think a at least a cleaned-up release of G.I. Joe the movie would be cool. I don't know if you need to go full 4K restoration where you're spending potentially millions of dollars on, on that. I, I don't know how much that stuff costs, but the print was really not good. Um, but I am glad that I finally, after 35 years, and so many uh, folks on Twitter and social media have chimed in as well, that we're finally able to see G.I. Joe the movie on a movie screen. So, um, again, go see it on Saturday. Hopefully this podcast uh, helps. If uh, if you want to get in touch with me, I am on social media. I am at Mike Seibert Radio. The spelling on my last name is S-E-I-B-E-R-T, but you already knew that because you're listening to the podcast. But I am on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm pretty much equally active on all of those platforms. Uh, but yeah, let me know what uh, what you thought of the movie. But uh, but that'll do it for this uh, Riding Commute episode of Mike Seibert Radio. Thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to listen to any of my past shows, you can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. Um, you can become a Mike Cybertronian on Facebook. Join the private Facebook group. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Uh, like, share, rate, and review the show. Let me know what you think and what you'd like me to cover more of in the future. Uh, for Mike Cyber Radio, my name is Mike, and until next time, make good choices, and yo, Joe!